Good morning. Nice to see you. Happy New Year to those that are here for the first time this year. It's good to see you. How many have started the year out well? Just a couple of you. That's good. Well, the year is young and you have plenty of time to to make up for it. So it is so good to be with you. And as we begin our week of prayer, I thought maybe I should preach on prayer, huh? That's a good, that's a good start. This morning, I'm, I'm going to be sharing a lot. Um, the reason I'm sharing and, and not really preaching is because this is a practice that I've come to understand and, and really deeply um, love in my own life, and it's the prayer of the heart. Um, the prayer of the heart is actually an ancient concept. It's uh, originated in the fourth century. And um, it's a simple prayer um, prayed with simple words in a contemplative way and a meditative way to help you to concentrate on the presence of God. It was something I realized a few years ago in prayer, and it's that when I pray, I'm not making God aware of new things. When I pray, I'm not um, telling God something he's not aware of already. I'm not updating him on my life as if he isn't intimately acquainted with every breath I take, every situation I'm in, every relationship I'm in. And so prayer began to take new shape for me where it was a lot less about all of the words I was going to pour out before the Lord, but it became, what am I hearing from the Lord? What am I sensing from the Lord? What am I experiencing in my time of prayer with the Lord? And so I want to share with you this simple concept this morning called the prayer of the heart. Our main point is that prayer is not just words spoken, but it's a journey of the heart. Prayer is not just words spoken, it's a journey of the heart. Here at Northside, we have three values, and that is that we would be presence-focused, faith-filled, and servant-hearted. And this morning, my message is going to fit under the umbrella of presence-focused, that our time in prayer is meant to experience God's presence. So are you ready? Awesome. To the rest of you, you'll be ready when I'm done praying. Let's pray before we open God's word. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. Thank you that your presence is more accessible than the breath in our body. Thank you that your promises are for us. Thank you that we find rest in you. Thank you that we find our identity in you. And I pray this morning, Lord, as we journey through this message together, that we would experience the presence of God here. We would experience the love of God in this place, the peace of God in this place, the power of God in this place. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So during this message, my hope and prayer for you is that you would experience God's presence, that you would understand his deep and intimate connection with you, 
The prayer of the heart is a form of contemplative prayer. How many of you have heard of the prayer of the heart before? A few. That's good. The prayer of the heart is a short form of prayer for contemplation. It's a prayer to focus the heart on God. The reason I want to begin this way into the week of prayer is because my heart for this week and our heart as a staff this week is not to just come each night just to say a bunch of things. It's that we would experience God's presence in community, God's presence in unity, God's presence in spiritual union as the body of Christ. That's why we want to come together this week in the beginning of the year to pray. The first thing about the prayer of the heart is to keep it simple, to keep it simple. The prayer itself is simple. It is this, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. That's it. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. They added a few more words. Um, after a few hundred years, it became, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner. How many can remember that? Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. Now, I'm not a super religious person. <laughs> it's funny when I tell people that. They say, what do you do? I'm a pastor. Wow, you're super religious. I'm not actually religious at all. I have a relationship with Jesus. And so for me, I, I don't always pray that prayer as my short prayer. Sometimes I pray this. This is going to be really hard to remember, but it's my own, so I remember it. And it's this. I love you, Lord. You know the secret to prayer? The secret to prayer is that we go beyond the mind. The secret to prayer is that we go beyond the mind to the heart. Sometimes I pray this, come Holy Spirit, come. I know these are hard. Like, this, is, this is real hard stuff. I know it's like the Greek and the Hebrew, we get lost in it. But it, the reason for it, the reason for it is that God gave us personal language from our heart to connect to his heart. And so your prayer can be simple. Your prayer doesn't have to be my prayer. Your prayer doesn't have to be the ancient prayer from the fourth century. But you find a simple prayer that connects your heart to God. So first point is keep it simple. And the prayer itself is built on this central truth. This, this also may be hard for you to remember. And, and the reason this is going to be hard for us to remember is because we don't experience it throughout our lives always. But the, the truth that our prayer must be built upon is this. That you are loved. That you are loved by God. And because you are loved by God, you are his beloved. 
And so when we think about prayer and we think about prayer of the heart, it's that we are loved by a loving father. I see so much striving in Christianity, so much striving to do and to be and and, and to do more for God. And, And there's nothing wrong with doing more for God. But if that is our identity, we have it all wrong. Our identity is not what we do for God. It is who we are. And who we are is his beloved And so the prayer of the heart is a focus on the fact that we are loved. That we are his beloved. That we are his sons and we are his daughters. You see, prayer flows from identity. Prayer flows from identity. If I find that my prayer is constantly filled with fear and worry, if I find that my prayers are constantly filled with doubt, if I'm finding identity in these things, my circumstance is actually greater than my understanding of God. How I see myself is what I bring to prayer. How I see myself before God is what is how I will pray. My identity will always come out when I pray. Keep it simple. Secondly, we focused inward. We focus inward, not without God. That's called new age. When we focus inward without God, that might be yoga or Buddhism or we don't want to just empty ourselves. We focus inward to the place where the Holy Spirit dwells. And did you know this, that God lives in you? How many know that? Christ in you, the hope of glory. The Holy Spirit dwells within you. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. That means that the Holy of Holies is not in the tabernacle in the Old Testament. It's not in the temple in the Old Testament. It's not in the temple in the New Testament. The Holy of Holies is not in that church that you grew up in. The Holy of Holies is not at that revival conference that you really, really liked. The Holy of Holies is not just when you put on Northside Worship onto your playlist. The Holy of Holies is not just at 1460 Lansdowne Drive. The Holy of Holies is within every believer that calls themselves a follower of Jesus. The Holy Spirit lives in you. The prayer of the heart is a focus, not outward, trying to get to God, trying to journey to God, trying to pilgrimage to some place that God might exist. And there's nothing wrong with going to a conference. I'm going to one at the end of the month. There's nothing wrong with coming to church. Obviously, that would be bad for business. There's nothing wrong with any of that. It's though when that becomes the identity of our life, and specifically in this message, our prayer life, 
i.e. the only time we pray, the only time we experience God, the only time we look for God, that's a problem. Because the holy of holies is within. Jesus says this in John 14, verse 23. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my father will love him and will come to him and make our home with him. Jesus says, if anyone loves me, he'll keep my word and my father and me and the Holy Spirit are going to make our home in them. In them. The heart is the seat of affections. It's the place that we make decisions. It's the place that we feel. It's the mind. It's the will. It's the emotions. The ancient understanding of the heart from a Jewish perspective was, was the whole inner world. It's a place we fight our battles. And it can have good. And our heart can also have evil. The Bible says that our heart is deceitful above all things. See, because things in our heart or things in our soul can be corrupted. Jesus says this in Luke 6.45. The good person, out of the good treasure of his or her heart produces good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. Out of the abundance of the heart, his or her mouth speaks. What Jesus is saying is, is that your mouth dips into a well for water. And that well that your mouth dips into is your heart. And if your heart is filled with all kinds of impurities, all kinds of distractions, all kinds of things other than what God wants for your life, when your mouth dips into that well within, evil will come out. However, he says this, there is another way because your heart can be good. Your intentions can be good. Your motives can be good. Your emotions can be good. And when your mouth dips into that well, it will bring up good. And the Lord wants to cleanse us of impurities. Cleanse us. Sometimes we want to change the way we speak. Sometimes we want to change the way we act. Sometimes we want to change the way we react. Sometimes we just want to change. We want this outward change. Outward change begins with inward transformation. Outward change does not just happen by trying to act differently. 
It's when we go into the heart of the matter and we pray in the heart, from the heart to God, he begins to cleanse our heart and the outward expression is of an inward reality of transformation. And we begin to live differently. We begin to act differently. We begin to speak differently. We begin to react differently. Because out of good produces good. The heart reveals true health. Just like physically, spiritually as well. When God chose King David in 1 Samuel chapter 16, the Bible describes God's process for choosing a king. And God's process for choosing a king is very different from our process for choosing a president or a prime minister. Very different from our process for choosing a professor, a teacher, a nurse, a doctor, whatever. You want to hear God's process for choosing a king? Samuel came to Jesse's sons and he had looked at all of Jesse's sons and and they all looked really good and he came to his son Eliab. And Samuel looked at Eliab and he said, this must be the one. He is handsome, he's tall, he's wearing a red flannel, he's got nice boots. This must be, oh, sorry about that. No, he didn't have a red flannel on. But he said, this Eliab is one good looking guy. He must be it. And God said, no, it's not him. He said, do not look at his appearance. Or the height of his stature. I don't know what that's like. Because I, the Lord says, have rejected him. Now, we don't know that there was something necessarily wrong with Eliab. He just wasn't God's choice. But the Lord said, do not look at outward appearance. He said, for the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. When we choose leaders, many types of leaders, we look at experience, we look at education, we look at, you know, business acumen, sometimes we look at finances, sometimes we look at whether they are good looking or not, whether they can act or not, whether they can play music or not. That's the way that we choose leaders, musicians, athletes, businessmen, teachers, whatever. But here God says, what I'm concerned about is on the inside. What I'm concerned about is the heart. David was a man after God's own heart. God looked at David's heart because he knew that David was a man after his heart. 
God chose a man that would be after his heart, a worshiper, a shepherd, fearless, faithful, bold. David had problems, obviously, study his life. He had outward problems because all humans have outward problems. But there was something about David's heart that captured God's attention because a man or a woman after God's heart will capture God's heart, will lead with God's heart, will speak with God's heart. And the prayer of the heart is that we would become people that chase after the heart of God. We chase after the heart of God to get the heart of God. And when we get the heart of God, we pray the heart of God. And when we pray the heart of God, transformation happens. Our prayers are powerless without God. They are words filled with, sadly, disappointment because they have no power. But if we are people that are after the heart of God, when we come to pray, what are we going to be praying? The heart of God. What are we going to be praying? The will of God. The prayer of the heart is simple. It doesn't even matter what the words are. Find one yourself. Keep it simple. Keep it short. So that as you're praying, you're not just thinking about the words, that's in the mind. But as you pray, it becomes so a part of who you are that you can pray it and just focus on the presence of God. Who lives in you. I love prayers like, Lord, come. We want you here now. Jesus is in the room, and I love that, and I get it. I I get the manifest presence of God versus the omnipresence of God. I get it. There's nothing wrong with those prayers. But sometimes we act too much like he ain't here. I'm going to church on Sunday. Why? Because God's there. Where you are, God is. The only change is your focus. The only change is our perspective. The only change is our attention. The only change is our affection. But if I fill my heart with Netflix and Prime Video and Apple TV and YouTube and all these video games and all this stuff, and I'm guilty of it myself, and I fill my heart with all of this junk, I'm not going to know where God is. And there's nothing wrong with Netflix and PureFlix, if you're into that sort of thing, and, and, and Apple TV, and, and there's nothing wrong with all of these things. We can, we can entertain these things and be entertained by things, but we better be careful that our entertainment doesn't become the thing that fills our heart. Because when we dip into the prayer of our heart, we're just pulling up actually that stuff in prayer and what begins to happen is our prayer is filled with fear our prayer is filled with worry i don't know why i'm so fearful well we're watching horror movies all the time maybe that has something to do with it you know i took my kids just a little just give you a breather here because i could tell it's getting a little hot in here i took my kids to see puss in boots last week oh man it was awesome except this wolf who represented death And this wolf would like, because the cat was, how many have not seen it? Okay, 
Okay, good. So I'll ruin it for all of you. So, so the cat's down to his last life. Because cats have how many lives? Nine. Good. You're cat experts. And so, and so the cat is down to his last life. And so this wolf keeps coming at him like, I'm going to get you. And, and the wolf represents death. And there's this whistle in it. I can't do it, but it's creepy. And so about halfway through the movie, my, my son Joshua's with me. And um, well, we're all together. And my son Joshua looks at me and he's really tough. Like he's a tough kid. Like he's, he'll run through a wall, you know. And <laughs> like he'll run through a wall, studs and all. Okay, that's Joshua. He'll run, like he's just, he's just that way. He's a really, you know, tough kid, but super soft. And so he came up to me and he's like, Daddy, this movie's inappropriate. We're in the theater. <laughs> We're, we're in the theater, you know, and he's like, it's inappropriate. Did you hear what they said? This is inappropriate. And he's like turning away from the screen. And I was like, buddy, are you scared? And he's like, yeah. I'm all right. All right, buddy. Well, we, we don't have to stay. And he's like, no, I want to stay. And I'm like, okay, good. I did too. I want to see how this thing ends. So thank God he got over that little emotional detour for a minute. Um, I'm just kidding. He, he wanted to stay. He did. He really did. Um, I owe him 20 bucks. Yes. When I mention a child's name, I owe them $20. And so I owe Joshua $20. He'll be happy with that. You know, a lot of times and you know, our kids, I mean, he, he didn't actually surprisingly enough, he didn't think about it later in the day or at night, but a lot of times that's what happens, right? Is later on in the day or at night, usually the kids are going down to sleep and they're afraid of a wolf that they saw in a movie. But I think sometimes we're like that. Our hearts are like that. We've just learned to cope better. But what we put in is what we pull out. Sometimes I sit in prayer meetings and I, I go in with great expectations. I go in with great faith. I go in with great hope and I leave feeling like, man, there's a lot of fear and a lot of worry and a lot of anxiousness. And I wonder what's in our hearts. I wonder if, if sometimes I'm not a man after his heart, but I'm just a man who sits in my own heart. And prayers are just the words of my heart, but they're not the words of his heart. And I don't know about you, but I really want the prayers of his heart. And for that to happen, we must be people that are after his heart. Lastly, and I'll close with this, we must be relentless. We must be relentless in our pursuit. The prayer of the heart is a constant conversation with God. Brother Lawrence wrote this in the 17th century. He's a buddy of mine. <laughs> Through books. He wrote a great book called Practicing the Presence. You should read it. He wrote this. We should establish ourselves in a sense of God's presence by continually conversing with him. See, our hope in our prayer life, our hope in our prayer of the heart is that it would be a constant conversation 
with God. It's not a moment in the day. It's not just in the morning. It's not a moment on a Sunday morning. It's not just during week of prayer. It's not once a month. It is a constant conversation with God. Did you know that he wants to have a constant conversation with you? He loves just hearing about your day. He loves just you sitting in his presence and just saying, I love you, Lord. He loves it. I sit in the Lord's presence and I've come to say less and less in prayer. Less and less and less. Now I basically sit in prayer and I just sit and I just have my simple prayers and I just sense the Lord's presence and I get caught up in the Lord's presence and when I don't feel his presence, I come back to my simple prayer and I keep come back, coming back to this simplicity of prayer. It's not complicated. It's not a public speaking contest. Just you and Jesus and your heart before him. As we continue to pursue the Lord deeper and deeper, we discover that the Lord naturally draws us to himself. That's Madame Guyon in the 17th century as well. As we pursue God deeper and deeper, we will discover that the Lord naturally draws us to himself. And I found this in my own prayer life, that as I sit and contemplate the beauty of the Lord, the love of the Lord, the favor of the Lord, the mercy of the Lord, the forgiveness of the Lord, the power of the cross, the deep love of Jesus, as I just contemplate these simple truths that many of us have heard for many, many years, as I sit and contemplate them and the depth of their meaning and the power within them, I sense the Lord's presence. David was a man after God's own heart. David was also a shepherd, a hunter, and a warrior. When it says that David was after God's heart, I picture this hunter after the prey. I'll close with this story. Right now, I'm, I'm hunting a mink. You know what a mink is? Weasels. Some call them ferrets. That's just because they want them to be pets. But a mink is a weasel. Does anyone own anything that's made out of mink? Anyone? Any ladies? Anyone want one? Okay, I see a hand. I'll take that into consideration. So this mink is hunting our chickens. A few weeks ago over Christmas, hallelujah, this mink came looking for chickens. Started gnawing at the main door. They gnaw with their little razor teeth and they claw. And they just look for anything bigger than a half inch to get inside. And it's gnawing away at the door, gnawing away. So I put, I put some metal hardware cloth over where they're gnawing. You know what that little demon did? It looked for another place, a little hole in the plywood, and it started gnawing away there. So I put metal hardware cloth there. Then I reinforced the main door with more lumber. 
and metal mesh all over the place. Then it started gnawing around the back. So I put steel plates over my chicken door. My chicken door is like Fort Knox. Like the chicken door is literally, it's, it's only about one foot by one foot, this door for the chickens that they go in and out of. And it's steel plated now. It's the nicest chicken door you've ever seen. The only thing it's missing is a key fob. Yeah. For the chickens where they can beep to get in, right? We locked them in. We kept them in. They couldn't be outside. They couldn't be out, you know, because they'd be attacked. And it keeps coming back. But the only thing more relentless than this mink is, is what? Me. Me, because I'm going to get this mink. Now, I've ordered mink oil online, and I've made a mink trap myself. Made a box with a hole. And when the mink goes into that box and is attracted to this mink oil, you know what's going to happen inside that box? We're going to safely retransport it to the neighbor's yard. (laughs) I have a helicopter. We're going to bring it out into the middle of the nature, and we're just going to set it down with something to eat just so it's safe. No, off with its head. You kidding me? You come near my chickens, I protect my chickens. This is how it works on the farm. I know this is Coquitlam, but in Pitt Meadows where I live, this sermon would go over a lot better. (laughs) I always forget what stories can cross the bridge or not, you know? (laughs) Like, you wouldn't believe the stories that I've left on that side of the bridge. (laughs) But this one traveled. Because this mink is relentless for my chicken. You know, mink don't even eat the chicken. They just kill the chicken. They just bite it right in the neck. Sorry, the kids are supposed to be downstairs. They just bite it. And they leave them. They'll leave 10, 12, 15 chickens. If they ate the chicken, if they deep fried them and shared some with me and actually had a party, I'd understand. But they don't. They just come in and kill. They are relentless. But I'm relentless too. I know it's a funny story, but that pursuit is what it means to chase after the heart of God. Like I'm going to capture God's heart no matter what it takes. Because God knows that those that chase after his heart We'll pray his heart. We'll pray his will. And what the world desperately needs is an encounter with God. And we owe it to the world. This week, we're beginning a week of prayer. And I encourage you at 6.30, Monday to Friday, and then a prayer walk, and then a worship night on Sunday night, I would encourage you, strongly encourage you, exhort you to come one night or all of the nights. Join with us as we chase after the heart of God for this church and for this community. Because what the world needs, what this community needs, is an encounter with God. They need to see and hear the heart of God. And there is no plan B.
were it. I remember I was praying for my neighbor and I lived in Coquitlam. And um, he was a Chinese man named Peter. And he was kind of in and out of the country, worked in China, but also had a home here. And I was praying for him and I was praying for his salvation. Have you ever prayed for someone's salvation? And I was praying for him and I'm like, Lord, if you would just reach him, if you would just soften his heart, if you would just speak to him, if you would just like, God, if you would just do all of these things. And, and the Lord said, that's a great idea, Joel. How about you go and answer your own prayer? I'm like, oh, you're so funny. Uh, what are you talking about? He's like, why don't you walk next door and why don't you talk to Peter? You see, what the world needs is that we would show them who Jesus is. We owe the world an encounter. And there is no plan B. The church is it. We are it. You are it. And so our prayer this week is that we would pray for this community. We would enter it with our own personal time with the Lord. And then throughout the week, be praying for this church and for the community. And so if you would commit this week to praying as we come together during our week of prayer. I'll invite the worship team to, co- to come up and we're going to worship the Lord a little bit more and um, I'll just pray for us. Father, we open our hearts right now, Lord. We, we sit in your presence. And Lord, we, we come back to this place that you have chosen for us to dwell with you. And the place that you have chosen to dwell with you is actually in us. That we are a temple of the Holy Spirit. That you have made your home within us. And this morning we come back to the heart. The heart of prayer, the heart of worship. And Father, I pray that as we continue to worship you through song, throughout this sanctuary and online, wherever we may be, if we're in the car or in a coffee shop or at home or sitting in the room right now, there would be a tangible sense of your presence as we come back to the heart of worship. That we would experience you in a new way. We would begin to pray deeper than just what's in our mind, but we would learn to pray from the heart for your heart. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We're coming back. You're already here. You're waiting for us now. If you would even just just put out your hands simply before the Lord here, wherever you might be, just posture your hands as if to receive from the Lord right now. And Jesus, I ask that you would place in the hearts 
plans of the heart. A special gift of your presence this morning. Your peace. Healing. Faith. Courage. Joy. Worship. Let's worship together.